Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Lifetime Podcast. I'm here inside of the Kicker 97.7 FM studios. A big shout out to them for letting us use the studios. Today, I am joined by Jamie Lowe over the phone line. Jamie, how are you doing? I'm great. What's happening? How about you? I'm good. I'm good. So, Jamie, he just got done uh, taking a little trip. Jamie, talk to us about what you're doing over this Thanksgiving break. Well, I'm seeing some family up in Birmingham uh, for the next couple of days. I'll be back in Opelika. I'll have to go to Columbus next weekend. But other than that, pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Jamie is a 19-year-old divorce mediator, but we'll get into all that fun stuff later. First, Jamie, I want to talk. I want to talk to you about your experiences earlier in life. Kind of give us a general overview of really just yourself. Well, I, um, I've always been a. I like doing things. I guess it's for lack of a better phrase. I, I like being involved. And I like politics. And I like government. So I, I was always involved in that in some way or another. So I, when I was about fifteen, I started. Um, I found my first mentor, who was a councilwoman. Trisha Jones, and she she took me around places, and I I was in Montgomery a lot, and I paid for a senator. And while I was in the Senate, I met Judge Fellows, who I work for now. He was up there lobbying for a bill. I don't really know why, what bill it was. Um, <laughs> and he, I talked to him briefly, and he, he asked me if I could come intern with him, and I did. I've been there for now almost four years, and I I worked there, and I started getting into mediation with some private attorneys. I mean, I went to get my certification about six months ago, and I opened up my, my own business, and then I am here. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually have your own business? I do, yes. Wow. Low media. Wow. So tell us what that internship was. You said it was an internship with uh, with uh, the judge. What was his name again? Yeah, Mike Fellows. Okay. So kind of walk us through what that internship a lot was like, because I know when I was in high school with you, that was really the big, you know, that was a big deal to everyone that you've got to be able to do that. So just kind of walk us through what that experience was like from your eyes. Well, I'll tell you, I, um, you know, senior year, they, they allow a group of, I think, 12 to 15 students to, to have like a medical practicum kind of thing where they, they would do rotations at the hospital and other uh, clinics and whatnot. And I, I remember thinking that that's cool, and I wanted to do that, but there was I didn't want to do medicine. Uh, I'm the last person that needs to do medicine. I'm very queasy and whatnot, but um, I wanted to do law, but there was nothing like that for what I wanted to do. So I, fortunately, I met Judge Fellows, and he he let me in. And I, I was the first high school intern they had, so it was kind of I was a anomaly there. So I. I didn't. I didn't have to do it for class credit, so I didn't have to write papers like the other interns did. But we did family law, and so I was able to get experience in the courtroom. And for the first year or so, that was basically all it was. I was watching, observing court, um, child support court, and divorce court, and then juvenile court. I did other minor, minor administrative things for about a year. But then I. I stayed far longer than anybody else did, and fortunately, I guess not fortunately, but 
coincidentally, another one of our staff members, she was retiring, and then a third, a second person retired, and then so it just made sense for me to be hired on. So they hired me on, um, and now I, I work in child support as his administrative assistant. Um, but it's pretty fun, you know. I got I got a chance to meet a lot of attorneys in the area. I got a chance to observe a lot of of the law and practice, um, especially courts. Before that, the only experience I had from court was Judge Judy, and um, <laughs> I, I tell you, it's very different. <laughs> but, um, so walk us through that. What is real court lying versus Judge Judy? Because I don't think two term. Well, hopefully. Not a ton of people have been in court. Um, so <laughs> that, that's a hope. Um, so just kind of walk us through what real court is like. Well, first of all, I would say if you live your entire life without ever having to go to court, you are very lucky. <laughs> um, I think everybody should be shooting for that. Um, because it is, especially in family law, uh, be it divorce and child custody, things like that, it's very high tension and a lot of emotions go on and, Every day, every day I go in, somebody's crying in the hallway, and I, and and it's it's awful sometimes. Um, people are always angry with you. I work for the state of Alabama, which is it's not easy being a government employee either, because you know the, the pay is not great, and everybody's mad at you cause for whatever reason. Not, but um, so I will say it's 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 a lot more tense than I initially perceived it being. Um, I think my judge is great. He has a he has a very calming demeanor. I think he is perfect for his job. But even with that, emotions are high and um, the stakes are even higher. Did you ever find yourself playing the role of counselor in that? Uh, Yes, especially when I mediate, Um, and I try not to because that really is not my my goal. But you you almost can't help to do it, but because. I've been there for a while, so I'm a bit experienced as to how it goes and whatnot. So people come nine times out of ten, they have no idea what court is like. Most people come to court for the first time and don't come back. Not everybody, but some the bulk of the people. So they don't. They're very confused. And the bulk of the people who I do mediation for, they don't have attorneys, so they don't have people there to guide them through the process. So yes, I can serve as that role sometimes, um, which is probably the most uplifting thing of. About what I do, the ability to help people, um, and it helps to keep me from being cynical because there are a lot of issues in the world that they are not fixable uh, completely. And so, when you can take those small victories with helping people, it's always a, a plus. So I love doing that um, in that role as kind of like a counselor, um, because a lot of people just need to know it's going to be okay at the end of the day, and. And it really is in most instances, but it's hard to see that when you're in the thick of it. Um, and so I, I hope to do that, be that clarity um, for people. So why divorce mediation? What is that something that appealed to you? Is that just kind of what was open for you? Talk to us about why that specific job. You know, I, I have no idea. I kind of <laughs> fell into it. Um, like I said, I kind of coincidentally met met Judge Fellows when I was in the Senate all those years ago, about five years ago. Um, but at that time, I had wanted to be an attorney, but I wanted to be a civil rights attorney. Um, and I really didn't know what I was doing. I was paging for a senator at the 
I liked doing that, but that was only for a brief period of time. Um, and then I met him, and he he just happened to be a family law judge, and so I I didn't know anything about family law at the time, and I just was there and I was observing what and what not, and I observed other courts, but to a much lesser extent, and I just fell in love with the type of law that we were doing, and I. But even then, I didn't know what mediation was. I was there for a full, I think, two years, and then most attorneys that mediate do it at their offices. But we, there's one. His name is Tip Melton. Um, he did it one time at the Justice Center where I worked. And I spoke to Jennifer. I was like, what, what, is, what is Pep doing? And she, she, Jennifer's one of my coworkers. Um, she explained to me that it was mediation. And I said, what's mediation? And she explained what the process was. And I so that's cool. And I, I reached out to Pep to see if he would mind me shadowing him. Um, and he didn't. So I, I saw my first case, and I was like, this is what I want to do. I love this. Um, and so I observed about 20 of them before I decided, you know, I can do this now. Um, and so that's what I did. I, I um, found a, a person that taught the certification course in Birmingham. He was just doing one a year, so I was lucky to get in enough time to get it done. And I think it was July I did it. So I didn't have to wait a full year. And so... And I like divorce mediation specifically. I'm, I'm certified to do other types, um, but I like divorce and family specifically because I feel like I'm having more of an impact on on those families. Because when, you, when you're when you making agreements in any other aspect of the law, say you have small claims with something like an accident or whatever, damages, you go in there and you talk about money for two or three hours, and then that's it. They This person writes a check and you're done with it. And that's, that's the end of that. That is not the case in family law. Um, even when you are adversaries in the courtroom and adversaries in the mediation conference caucus, you have to spend the rest of your life with that person if you have a child most of the time. Um, and even if you don't have a child, you were married to that person for a long time. So their stories don't end when they sign the agreement. The stories keep going. Um, and so I like to be a part of a unifying kind of action that helps people, particularly with children, but be projective in their relationships. Um, so I think that's why I love the divorce mediation, divorce and family mediation more than any other aspect of law. Do you ever have difficulty when you're mediating? Has there ever been a situation where you, you kind of had to take a step back and really sit through it and think on it. Like, uh, I know, for example, maybe there's been um, something where you had to work out custody or something like that where it's really made you, I guess, do a double take on, on the job itself or kind of walk us through if there's been any complicated, um, complicated, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Complicated um, situations with, with the job. Mm. Every time, every mediation is like that. Um, and I will say, how I do it, I separate the parties when I am in, I call them caucuses, um, and I go back and forth to help them come to agreement. And when the first time, you, I, I never know these people, so I have no idea who I'm talking to. I'm talking to strangers. And I, my role as a mediator is to be neutral and impartial. Um, 
it's hard to do that when you're hearing stories. You you tend it's human nature to tend to side with one side over the other. But you know, I try not to let that influence my perspective. But but I always in the first caucus where I'm hearing one party talk about the other, I always kind of formulate an idea about what I'm hearing. Usually it's it's probably not all true um, what they're saying. It's probably a little bit salacious and whatnot. They they tend to exaggerate as we do as people. Um, but I always subconsciously create a picture of the of the other party. And so I hear from this party, then I go to the next party and I listen to them talk about the person I just left. And it always it never lines up but and sometimes it shatters, you know, the preconceived notions I have. Um, I can tell you one instance where I was listening to one lady, it was a divorce. I was listening to one lady and she was talking about how no, I was just with the man first. I was listening to him talk about his then wife and how she just was awful. You know, she was not cooperative and he was doing all these things for her out of the kindness of his heart. He was talking about how he went over there every day to cut her grass and he went over there every day to keep up with the lawn and he was just doing all these things that made him benevolent. And I hear that and I'm thinking, okay, well, this is a decent guy. He might be lying a little bit, but he sounds all around decent. And I go to the other room with the lady in there and she tells me how awful he was and she pulls out her phone. And she has a video of him plowing over her rose bushes with a lawnmower, just huh. just plowing them flat. So that's what his idea was, taking care of a lawn. So he told me this story about how benevolent he was. And then I had video of him, you know, being a, a, a butthole, for lack of a better phrase, <laughs> and plowing this lady's bushes over. Um, so stuff like that, you know, you... I I have I learn something new about people every day. Um, there are an infinite amount of personalities, and and it's I have pre- everybody does, but I have preconceived notions about people, types of people, and I and I'm surprised every every time. Uh, Do you have some kind of a uh, some kind of a method to staying neutral in those situations? Well, uh, I hate to say this, but. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of cynical, so I, I just take it in my mind. I say, well, half the stuff I hear from both parties is probably not going to be true, because um, I'm, I'm at I'm with people at the worst time in their lives. A lot of people will will tell you that going through a divorce is the worst time of their life, um, and so they're due to that fact they're they're heated, so they're coming up with everything they can come up just to beat the party who is opposite of them. Um, so I have that in my mind that okay, what I'm hearing from these people is probably not going to be the full truth. Um, and I, and as bad as one part will make the other one seem, I will, I, I come to the realization that they're probably not that bad. Um, not in every case. Sometimes there's some real interesting characters, I'll say. Um, but in about 80% of them, both parties are, are generally decent people. So it's easy to be neutral because they're about equally good people. Um, and so it's easy to, and when there's children involved, it's easy, yes, to be neutral because you know, both parties are doing things, hopefully, they're doing things to better the child. So my my goal is to you know, come up with an agreement that is suitable to both parties and especially suitable to the child. Um, I don't think I've had one yet that didn't have children. Um, I think I've had one that didn't. Um, so... Eyeballing the child is the, is the easy thing. It, it's easy to be neutral when, when that's involved. 
Um, sometimes I make them bring pictures of the children to mediation, and I'll set it out if I if I think they're being difficult, so they keep not only their eyes but the whole thing about you know what, what's most important, which is their which is their family. But I think that that probably makes it easier. So when you're doing mediation, are you, is there ever a time where you are making the decisions or are you just essentially doing the title of the job and just mediating the two, the two parties to a decision? Um, most of the time, yes, I'm, I'm doing exactly mediating. Um, sometimes when I think things are getting bogged down, I will throw out ideas. Um, I would make suggestions as to what I think would be acceptable, uh, what I think they would they could do in court, uh, what a judge might do. I'll give suggestions like that, but they're never more than suggestions. Uh, and uh, sometimes that I will drive the conversation. Well, let's look at this. Let's let's not look at that. Well, I don't think that you'll get that in court. Or I, I don't really think he'll agree to that. Okay, so sometimes I, I'll take more of a controlling role um, as opposed to just hearing one one side of. The, Always, though, at the beginning, I, I like to hear both parties. I, I'll talk to them for easily an hour, an hour and a half. Just allow them to speak to me, tell me everything they're concerned with, tell me everything they're interested in. I'll get a full picture of the other party, get a full picture about what they're, what's important to them, and now have a good assessment. Now, as the, the further we go, then I'll take more of a, I hate to say it, for, but for lack of a better phrase, a commanding role where I'm the one that's driving it, um, which makes sense. Now, if they have attorneys, it's a little different. I can take more of a passive role if they, if they have attorneys, because so the attorneys going to be the ones that are um, being direct about things and not. Um, but most of the time, I, I'm being pretty facilitative and not, not in a position of, you know, making statements. Yeah, you don't really have to make a bunch of awfully difficult decisions. Yes, I don't. No, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, not, not as a me. No. Yeah. So I think one of my biggest takeaways from listening to you, again, for anybody listening, I think the biggest thing that you have to take into perspective is that I mean, you're only 19 years old. You're not. You're already doing things. Um, and you've already pushed yourself to the point, even in high school, when you were, when you got that internship, when you were going and sitting with them in the Senate, you know, you, you've constantly pushed yourself throughout your life. And so I, to me, that brings up the question of what drives you? <laughs> you know, I get that question quite frequently and I, <laughs> and I give a different answer every time I'm asked. I, I, I'm a restless person in general, so I don't like I'm not a very complacent. I don't like sitting around and doing things repetitively. I like doing new things, and I like doing things that haven't been done before. Um, I think that's the biggest motivator, and I um, I like what I do. I love what I do, and I, I, I do things I like, and that makes it easy to keep doing it. And when you like what you do, it's easy to excel in it and find different things that you like because you're constantly putting in positive reinforcement with yourself. So I was fortunate to find my niche early. A lot of people don't get that opportunity to find what they like early on. And I, I found it very early. And so I was able to cultivate that um, continuously. And so that made it easy to, you know, add another feather to my cap uh, here and there. Um, 
and I'm around such positive people all the time. I, um, I think that's probably the most important thing. I'm ever able to give advice to somebody, find positive people who are constantly enforcing good things about you, your life. Um, I love everybody I work with, and they they make it easy to work with them, and they bring opportunities to me. I don't have to fish them out all myself. Um, my family is wonderful, and they were always pushing me. So I, I, I have a lot of positive um, influences in my environment. So I think that that pushes me the most. And and I know that I'm doing positive things to other people. And so that's a good um, motivator to keep going forward because I, I can see, and not all the time, but in, in, in enough times, I can see that I'm being a positive influence in another person's life. And I think there's not really a feeling better than that, um, that you can go to bed knowing that I helped somebody today. And I, and I think that that is probably the strongest motivator of anything, not, not specifically me, but so that, that's probably what drives me. All right. So obviously you're hopefully still very, very young in your career. What exactly to you right now is your goal for the future? Is there something that you're trying to aim towards or are you kind of just going with the flow? Oh, absolutely. I, um, I've said this since I was six years old. My, dream job is to be president of the United States of America. And I, um, I, I haven't had a clear path from the point that I was at to that point. Um, the middle area is a little great, but that is definitely the end goal. Um, I love politics. I love government. I like working for the government and I like law. Um, um, I knew I wanted to be attorney pretty early on, but I hadn't, I, I hadn't heard of a mediator what mediation was up until about two years ago. And I definitely didn't think I would be doing it when I heard about it. Um, so I'm sure that will be um, past in my life that I did not know about previously. Um, but I think I want to, you know, fully flesh out my legal career, you know, become an attorney. I, I, I would like to practice family law, um, maybe not exclusively, but, I definitely want to, whatever I'm doing, I definitely want to also be practicing family law. And I would like to, you know, pursue a career in politics. Um, I've been politically active for a long time. I enjoy doing that most of the time. Sometimes it's, you know, not not so fun. But <laughs> I, And I, um, it's interesting. I, I forget, sometimes it's easy to forget that 19. I am... Um, I had a mediation a couple of weeks ago, and I I don't usually ever say that on 19 because, you know, somebody might not be as comfortable with that fact. So if they ask, obviously I'll tell, but I don't come out to say, well, I'm 19, so I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and we, I mediated the case. It settled. And we get to the end, and because I don't, I don't allow my age to be a deterrent. Um, you know, I talk about things as if, well, I talk about things like anybody else would talk about things. Um, I, I, I have experience in family law, so I talk like I have experience in family law. Um, but at the end of that mediation case, he says, wow, I did, you know, that was awesome. I was like, yeah, thank you. He's like, no, I'm really impressed with you. And he said, I saw that article about you. You had 19 doing this. I was like, wow, I didn't know you do that. <laughs> and I feel special, you know, because he, he knew that I was 19, and he still allowed me to, you know, Say everything I was that I needed to say, and it was very cooperative. Um, so I was taken aback by that fact. Um, so it really hasn't been 
any kind of deterrent. Age is nothing but a number. I don't know if that answered your question. I kind of rambled on. There, <laughs> no, no, it did. Um, so let's talk real quick before we wrap it up here about why politics is so interesting to you. Because I know for some people, it can just get very, very tiresome. So what keeps you interested in politics? Um, because it is necessary, I think. Um, I think we all have issues that we are concerned about, uh, contemporary issues. Um, and I think politics is in everything. It's in every single aspect of life, whether we know it or not. Um, and I, I like the idea. I love America, you know, and I, that, that sounds sappy, but I love America. I love the concept of America that we, you know, 250 years ago, a ragtag group of, um, settlers came together and they cobbled together and a new idea of government. And if you were asking somebody then, I'm sure they would say, well, this will never work. Um, and this, this revolutionary idea of democratic government has persisted and allowed us, the United States, to become the number one country in the world a full 250 years later. Um, so anything I can do to be a part of that, you know, is an honor to me. And, I, and I've always respected the people who held public office. Um, because it's really a, sacri- a sacrifice, you know. People sacrifice their not their whole lives, obviously, but their careers to do go into public service to to live to benefit other people. And I, I've always liked that concept. Um, and yes, you're right. People can become tired by it because, unfortunately, not all people in politics are good people. Um, and so it's easy to to feel overwhelmed by you know the negative because they're definitely plenty of negatives. And to me, that's more of a draw because I see the system that needs to be amended. Um, and I say, well, I want to be a part of that solution. And so this is what I come up with. Speaking of contemporary issues, did you ever take contemporary issues with the great Don Shirley? No, I didn't. He tried to get me in the class, but it just wouldn't fit <laughs> my schedule. <laughs> um, did you... You had his AP history class, right? I did, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was awesome. He taught me AO for for one year. Hmm. Well, Jamie, it's been an honor to have this half hour conversation with you. Um, again, we've been here with Jamie Lowe. He is a divorce mediator at age nineteen, and Jamie, it's been an honor to be able to talk with you. My pleasure. All righty. Well, again, this has been the Lifetime Podcast. I'm Matthew Johnson, and God bless and goodbye.